Welcome to another episode of This Is My Generation, a podcast full of information for parents in the early years of homeschooling who are seeking clarity and encouragement to get through the uncertainty of homeschooling and build a thriving education for their family. I'm Dr. Melanie Bisson, the founder and owner of Generation, a company transforming education for the six plus million parents now paving their own educational path for their kids, the next generation. We do this through our group coaching program, Harvest, where parents sow seeds of clarity in their vision and goals, reap the fruits that come from being aligned in your approach and programs, stay rooted in empowerment and thrive together in community. You can follow us on Instagram at underscore this is my generation. friends. So it's the week of Thanksgiving here in the U.S. and you may find yourself around family or friends that ask questions about homeschooling and how it's going and pressing into your journey with maybe like a little bit of skepticism perhaps. And after an encounter I had during my son's tongue tie consultation yesterday. I knew this was a good time to just touch on this topic of like when to defend your decision to homeschool and why. So I thought of you guys this week when after like six hours back and forth in the pouring rain, I took Josiah, my five and a half year old. Um, He turned five and a half on Tuesday, y'all. And that was a thing. He counts down so obsessively for birthdays. And so we've always sort of, well, like since, you know, he could remember like three, three and a half um, and always just acknowledge it and do a little cake. And it's a cute little tradition. So five and a half was Tuesday and this appointment was on Thursday. And so we, my dad lives like an hour and 40 minutes from here. We're on the coast. He's like Northwest Orlando. So We drove to my dad's, dropped off Levi, and I took Josiah to the Orlando Tongue Tie Center, which is a specialist just for tongue ties. Because for me, it was just just something that I wanted to eliminate the possibility of it being there because he never nursed. So I didn't know if some of his like speech delay would have been tied to that or not because we didn't have the ability to catch it early on. Anyways, like long story short, we're there. He doesn't have one. Great. Now I can just continue to work on these like blends and stuff in another way and maybe see a chiropractor. But she's, she comes into the room and I guess I shouldn't have even like said the name of it, but she comes in the room and like, I knew she was going to likely spend time talking to him directly because, you know, if you're evaluating speech or tongue issues and stuff, like you want to observe the child without like mom or dad piping in. Right. And so she's asking real casual questions about like pets and food he likes to eat and stuff. And then she goes, Oh, did you go to school today? And he's like, no, I'm homeschooled. And she goes, Oh, and like, you can already sort of see, you know, like you guys have sort of gotten the, uh, the nods or the remarks and the little, you know, breaths and stuff like, Ooh, that's interesting. And she made one other comment. And then like another minute or so goes by and she looks at me and like, just point blank. She's like, so why doesn't he go to school? <laughs> and I should not have been surprised, but I was I was literally like so taken aback that like I just went straight to like the defense mode justification of like, well, my doctor is education. My doctor is in education and we've made this decision for many reasons for our family and just like shut it down with that. And like I looked her right in the eye and then I immediately felt like crap and felt guilty and just anger that like I didn't just 
state the reasons, like why I felt the need to like justify it with um, my degree, because that's actually irrelevant completely. Um, But yet, you know, like when we're sort of backed into a wall like that, you know, that's, that's just our first like defense, right. Is, is to, you know, just blurt something out like that. And so that whole time I was like on the drive home, you know, like boys finally sleep in, it's raining, you know, you're like, you're just in your own thoughts. And I'm like, man, like, we don't, we don't talk about this enough. Like we joke about it, but like, especially going into Thanksgiving, I'm like, this is going to be table talk, right. All the time. Um, in terms of just good intentions or judgmental intentions or whatever it is, just curiosity. Um, we are going to be asked questions and even somebody like me who preaches, you know, the importance of knowing your educational philosophy and, you know, being able to state that as you make curricular decisions and all these types of things, like it still catches you off guard and, and that's okay. And all these things. So I, like, I just wanted to do like a do's and don'ts and kind of just like a brain dump of all this stuff. And and part of me even hates having to talk about this because, you know, like freedom and education is something I feel so strongly about, but there are still so many misconceptions about homeschooling that I do believe it is up to us to defend our stances and talk about our journeys and approaches and just deconstruct education in general, right? The difference between education and schooling. And it's probably fair to assume that your friends and family are a mix of supportive, engaged folks, and then those who have questions and skepticism around homeschooling, you know, whether they question your ability or just the effectiveness of it overall, right? So you should talk about it. But within that, boundaries and parameters help too, right? I mean, after all, like the decision to homeschool is still incredibly nuanced and personal. And I discovered this very much so during my dissertation research. Like there is just so much diversity and thought and approach within the homeschooling community. And so I think it's important to talk about our beliefs and decisions so that school choice and freedom and education can really just be championed more and so that the people around us understand it more. And I cover, I uncovered so many like interconnected factors during my research and watched parents wrestle with and debate their pros and cons for homeschooling. And, and I examined their decision-making process in length. And when I set out to conduct this study, which I started in 2019 and then I ended in 2022, um, I, I believed and still do that understanding the complexities in parents' decision-making process will help alleviate some of this just negative stigma surrounding homeschooling. And now that the research is published, like I'm definitely confident that sharing it with others does achieve that. Um, And I think when you can reference data like this alongside your own personal convictions and decisions for homeschooling, like it just elevates the entire conversation. Like you can surprise and inform your family at the Thanksgiving table, right? Um, And I haven't really talked about this yet. I'll probably do another like whole episode on it and the background and my findings and stuff. But I embarked on a journey with... 13 diverse families across the U.S., um, right through like the nitty gritty of deciding to homeschool. There were different ages, races, education backgrounds, all those things. Um, And the families were really at like a crossroads. They were they had kids under five, not in school yet, and they were leaning towards homeschooling, but still figuring out. I was very purposeful about that because I didn't want any outside influences on their decision as I monitored their decision making process. Um, but they hadn't really like dived into the world of homeschooling research yet. 
And that's what I wanted to sort of watch and observe. And the big question that I sought to answer was, how do these families' lived experiences explain why they they choose to homeschool? And when I was reviewing all the existing literature on this topic, it didn't really hand me any like ready-made assumptions about why families homeschool. And the resources at the time and still are really like either outdated or way too broad. Um, It's the NCES, the National Center for Education Statistics. They said that the number of kids homeschooled jumped 36% from just 2002 to 2012. And because when I wrote it, we we didn't yet have the next census data, but what I thought even more intriguing at the time was that 7% of U.S. families said that they would homeschool if given the chance. And like, as a side note, now we think that we're close to like 8 million families in the U.S. homeschooling, like kindergarten and above. Um, and that's another episode, like just getting into the why and the growth and stuff. But even questioning the growth back then, like there were three big reasons that had not changed for like two decades. Big reasons why people chose to homeschool it was worries about academic quality, a not so great learning environment at school and religious values. And I wanted to unpack why scholars hadn't quite caught up with the homeschooling surge and what's been missed in understanding the decision-making process. So I use a series of like decision-making theories as a conceptual framework. And that's just a lot of like academic scholarly stuff around the whole study, but it, it ended up not really going far enough in explaining the nuances of all these little interconnected factors. So I ended up creating my own theoretical framework. And again, I won't bore you with some of the academic jargon. If, if you want like nighttime reading material, I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> but basically like parents go through five steps of reflecting, visioning, discovering, feeling, and decision-making as they examine the possibility of homeschooling. And there's a whole lot of conscious and subconscious stuff going on within the steps, but ultimately the decision is this like circular matrix of sorts that's a bit easier to see visually, but it, it includes like past trauma, collected experience, explicit factors such as curriculum and religious and faith-based values, um, accommodations at schools for things like allergies or other health things, uh, bullying, school safety, those things, implicit factors such as how like a mother's identity informs the decision to homeschool and influence from peers. Um, educational value systems that include aspects of democracy in education and parental authority in education and, and just a whole plethora of things. I had like over 50. Um, and interestingly enough, like religion and faith-based values, it, it remained and still remains a primary decision-making factor, but it doesn't carry like the ideological motivations of the past. Um, And I just, I always find that interesting. But anyways, like despite a parent's stated decision factors, there's also this whole set of like really unique, subtle things that lay this foundation and sort of like act as a prerequisite, if you will, in the decision to homeschool. And so like, wow, right? Like collectively, we take this thing pretty seriously as as parents and, and mothers mainly, like as we make this decision, right? And I say all of this because like imagine trying to capture all of your complex decision-making processes into an off-the-cuff response for a doctor because she's got this judgy, like condemning tone asking you why he's not in regular school, right? Like, (laughs) it's impossible. We don't ask this of 
parents that are enrolled in traditional school. Why did you make this decision? And then like look them up and down for a really like simple response. Um, and so it, it's, it's worth exploring. Right. And so when we're talking about like how to respond and, and what we respond with and what we choose to say and not to say, like, I think first things first, responding confidently. And when someone asks, why do you homeschool? Or especially the, like, why isn't he or she in regular school? <laughs> Our natural instinct, again, like, like me, might be to unleash a, a torrent of explanations, right? But I think the secret is to keep it simple. Respond confidently, not defensively. And obviously it's easier said than done. I literally just told you my story from this week, but this is what got me thinking like a calm, it's the best choice for our family's values and educational goals can really be a game changer, right? Like there's no need for a laundry list of reasons like that confidence enough speaks volumes. And I talk about this at nauseam on this podcast, but staying true to your educational philosophy, right? Your homeschool, your rules. We all have our unique approach, whether it's unschooling, classical education, like a bit of everything. And when questioned, like highlight how your philosophy aligns with your child's needs and your family values. If you want to even continue the conversation forward, if you know, you want to answer a follow-up um, and because there's also so much power in our language, right? So instead of saying like, well, I homeschool because I don't trust the system, which, you know, might be well and valid for you, but you can try something like, well, we choose homeschooling to have a more hands-on and personalized approach to education. Like you see that shift. It's that positive language that really like reframes the whole conversation. And it's not about what you're avoiding, but it's about the incredible things that you're embracing and it, and it puts it back in their court. And I think that just that subtle shift in language is a really powerful tool into shaping perceptions, right? Because remember, like you're, you're not on trial. Homeschooling is a legitimate educational choice. You're the expert on your child. Embrace the uniqueness of your homeschooling journey. And if someone questions your decision, consider it really an invitation to share all of the wonders of homeschooling rather than a challenge to defend it. And I'm, I'm, I'm really just sort of glad that I had that experience because I guess I took for granted, like, well, I've done this work, right? Like I've done the work to make the decision. I've done the work to define my educational philosophy, like, have some goals around, you know, long-term visions and, and short and long-term goals and all these things, right? Like, but I hadn't really stopped to, to not like formulate or craft a response, but like really think of like, oh, well, okay. If someone does ask me that, like to consider it that invitation rather than defending it and to kind of have like, you know, just a little bit of a launching point for, for what I would say. Um, because, you know, like we're not here as parents to convince anyone, right? We're not starting a homeschooling debate. This is just about sharing perspectives and shedding light on what really happens in our homeschool lives. And that's, that's fun. Like, I think that that is an exciting opportunity. So like, what are the most common questions and concerns that you'll get? Because I think if you, if we're aware of some of these, it's a little easier to like, quote unquote, prep, <laughs> especially if it's fresh on your mind, like going into Thanksgiving. Um, because you really are in rare company if you have yet to encounter any of these questions. Um, so obviously there's the big one, which is socialization. It's kind of like the, the golden question, right? Um, you know, but what about socialization? Like the idea that homeschool kids are just like locked away in a tower, like Rapunzel style or something like missing out on all the social games. 
And I really just have to laugh sometimes because we know our homes are not isolated, like castles. <laughs> yeah, like we're often thought of like, just as like weirdos or freaks or something in a sense. And I love breaking the myth that homeschoolers are antisocial. I argue as I haven't at like, there was a whole episode on this purposely, right. That you can share too. But like, I argue that we get a more diverse social experience because even without the plethora of play dates and community events and, you know, yes, like even online groups, like my kids are exposed to more people in more social situations on a regular basis now than when Josiah was in preschool. Because I think of the moments he has daily to practice social skills and manners and etiquette and step out of his comfort zone, you know, asking for something at church or during our co-op or the folks at the library and his like a special relationship with the youth leader there and like so on. Like it's really a great eye-opener. And it's just a good opportunity to be able to share things that are going on, you know, in your homeschool. And again, reiterate that, you know, forced association does not equal socialization. And just simply because they're in the same building every day with peers their age does not mean they're getting, quote unquote, socialized, right? Um, And so I definitely encourage you, if you have yet to listen to that episode, like most of mine, my the podcast episodes are like 20 minutes-ish. Um, so go check that one out too, especially if you're on a drive and stuff, you can just... You can binge them all and and rate while you're there. But um, another one that likes to sneak in to conversations is academic standards. You know, like, are you sure your kids are learning what they need to learn? And for many, like, they, again, they they ask like unintentionally, right? It's just curiosity and 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 genuine concern. I think on most people's parts, especially um, you know, like in laws or grandparents or somebody in a generation um, older than you. But like for many like of us, homeschooling parents, like it doesn't mean that we're tossing textbooks out the window, window, right? Like we follow state guidelines for the most part, use quality curricula, like, and we often surpass what's covered in traditional schools, right? But the fle- it's the flexibility that is really like our superpower. I mean, we, we tailor, many of us t- tailor our teaching to our kids' needs and interests. And I think that that, in and of itself is worth champion championing I'm just, I'm like literally can't talk and supporting um, in general. Like, but here's a tidbit that I think is important to sort of add in, in this conversation. It's definitely relevant for those that are unschooling too, and doing a lot of play-based learning in the early and elementary years and like might feel that stigma even more, but there are no peer reviewed studies that show that learning by the age of 10, like versus the age of five, has any relevance to your success later in life. Now, you know, if you're in that situation, you've been in traditional school and still are, then that's a different story because, you know, you've just got comparison and trying to keep up to standards and all that. But like doing things at a certain age at a certain time exists solely because of compulsory education, which is less than 70 years old, by the way. Like the quote unquote, what they need to know is a fallacy, like just complete fallacy. And unless you want to leave the door open for the possibility of returning to a traditional school, like you are in control within the boundaries of your state's homeschool laws, you know, if you're meeting them, like you're in control of what they need to learn, right? You get to, uh, you get to be responsible for that. Um, 
and again, like, you know, I start talking about these things and I'm like, yeah, I got like these bullet points for these common questions. And then like, you just want to keep going because there's so much just within that in terms of the academic standards. Um, but like related to that is the, are you qualified to teach? Right. Well, you know, let's see, we might not have a teaching degree, although many of us do. And those stories are, are really good. Um, but we've got something even better, right? We have that deep love for our kids and a commitment to their education. And, you know, you always have to, especially I feel like in today's day and age where it's, you know, Democrat versus conservative or, you know, um, it's just nothing can be, uh, this and that, right? Like these things aren't mutually exclusive. You can, talk about having a deep love for your kids and a commitment to their education without condemning your sister who has their children in traditional school and public school, right? Like saying that for your own reason doesn't, doesn't condemn them or belittle them or make their decision any less valid, right? Like that, that's not what we do as homeschooling parents. It's not what we do on this podcast. I actually just, I, I don't know if he's going to come on or not. Um, it seemed like he might've turned it down, but the publicist for, um, oh God, I'm going to forget his last name, which sort of defeats the purpose. It's Connor. Um, he's the author of Tuttle Twins, which many of you might know, um, is a very popular children's series about like civic duty and responsibility. Um, but the, the, a lot of the bullet points and purposes of him coming on the show, according to his publicist, was to, you know, talk about what's not happening in public schools or what is happening that we should try to avoid and fix and all these things. And I was like, I don't do that. I don't do that on this podcast. I don't do that in my coaching program. I don't do that in my life. Like, and, and I was taught that even within my, my career, when I was working for an insulation manufacturer, like we talked about the benefits of our product, not about dogging on the competition and that just instilled a lot of integrity in me that I, I carry through now because it's not about what like of, of course overall you might have some things that are happening in traditional school that you don't like that maybe led you to to homeschool um but we're, we're not here to to condemn that to knock that any of those things we're here to uplift and discuss our reasons around our decision to homeschool, the experiences that we're having, and to just to share in that happiness and that conversation, right? And there's this, there's this amazing thing called, you know, like, just learning alongside our children. And, and you don't need a certificate for that. And that's okay. Um, and like, you can believe that for your children and still support teachers in public education, right? Like my best friend is a state recognized high-performing teacher and math coach, and now she's a district resource teacher, and I'm just in awe of the level of support and commitment and knowledge that she and her colleagues have. But supporting them and knowing that you are capable as a homeschooling parent are not mutually exclusive. Like, they can happen simultaneously. And I think just practically, like, there are obviously chosen curriculum guides and co-ops and just each other, um, and the simple art of, like, reclaiming our own education that, like, that is enough. And you, and, and you are doing great. Like, so you, yes, you are qualified. Um, and a, another concern that 
that likes to pop up a lot is like, well, don't kids need structure and routine? <laughs> like, of course they do. Right. And guess what? Like we do have it, you know, just because we don't have a school bell ringing every hour doesn't mean like chaos is just raining in the home. Like most of us still have schedules and routines and a plan. And we're not just, you know, like teaching math and science, we're teaching life skills and time management and flexibility. And it's all, it's all just part of the homeschool environment. And, you know, I have an episode on that too, <laughs> but like really it's, it's the tale that I tell repeatedly about consist- consistency and flexibility. They seem like oxymorons, but where they live in harmony, like we have expectations in place and we execute on them 80% of the time so that when we want to depart from them and, you know, and or something interesting like comes up that we want to partake in, like we can abandon our plans and come back to them with ease. It's sort of like my sleep training analogy. Um, if you've been following along, I, it's, it's a common one that I say in terms of like, well, we sleep trained our son because, you know, we wanted that, that peace of mind as a gift for both us and him, um, later in life. But, you know, the beauty of being consistent with it was we could depart from it when we needed to keep him out of Bible study or a dinner or whatever. And it didn't, you know, disrupt the whole thing. Anyways, um, you know, I, I think. Like as women and moms and homeschool parents, like we tend to err on the side of oversharing and feeling the need to like justify and defend everything. Um, And maybe it's just me because I like to be right in arguments. Um, I don't even think my husband listens to these anymore, but he he would be chuckling and nodding his head. Um, But like, have you ever been so excited about something that you just can't like stop talking? Like, when when sharing about homeschooling, I, I think less can be more. And I say this because, especially like considering where when we're going into the holiday season, like keeping it concise and providing information without overloading is good, generally good practice. So like instead of a data dump on your entire curriculum and your daily schedule and all these things to justify and these hoorahs and look at all the crazy stuff they're learning, whatever, like just focus on the highlights. And these are some of the things that like, you know, if you tend to overshare, overthink, and you get a little anxious about these situations and stuff, like just thinking of a couple of them ahead of time will will benefit you. Like just share the core principles that make your homeschool unique. You know, it's like offering just little bite-sized bite bite-sized pieces. Hello, of the homeschooling pie, <laughs> um, and then and then remember that positive explanations spin right. Like you can focus on the benefits. You know, like that's really like our little secret weapon. Um, But when sharing about your approach, like that's when you get to kind of share some of those little benefits that your child has experienced. Like maybe it's their joy of learning and the flexibility to explore unique interests or like this deepened family bond that you now have. Like those are the things that become our report cards rather than, you know, here's the states and capitals that he can regurgitate, right? Like some of that's fun, but anyways. People love stories, right? So like tell a couple rather than just regurgitating all the facts or all the negative aspects of the alternative, right? Being in traditional school, perhaps. Um, Especially, especially if it's your family and friends listening to you, like it just softens all conversations. It adds that personal touch. And, you know, homeschooling just, I think, provides that canvas overall for really awesome, fun stories. Um, You know, just share anecdotes and, and experiences that showcase the the beauty and the exciting part of your homeschool journey and that, that firsthand narrative of your time together, you know, and whether it's like some 
science experiment thing, or, you know, for us, it's like all the presentations that Josiah does at CC, like he loves showing those things off and his little, you know, capital songs and his other CC songs. And, you know, I like talking about the little one-on-one observations I've experienced now. Like it's just, it's a better way than hearing something, I think, like from a teacher or getting only part of the story from a child, like when they're in traditional school. Um, but I, I also, cause I'm, I'm still trying to keep this short, although I knew this one would be longer. Um, I also like to mention the, like the famous folks who've been homeschooling because I, I think it helps continue to break any stigma and draw attention to its normalcy, like homeschooling's normalcy. So like Tim Tebow, you know, there's going to be football on for Thanksgiving day. Like, and we all know him as the football star, but did you know that he was homeschooled? <laughs> Um, maybe you did, but like his journey, I think really challenges the stereotype that homeschoolers like lack in socialization or they struggle in competitive environments, like between winning the Heisman trophy and then being in the NFL. And now he's got this prolific foundation work with his wife. Like I think Tim Tebow exemplifies how homeschoolers can not only like hold their own, but then can still dominate on a, on a global stage. Um, and then there's the gymnastics powerhouse, Simone Biles who, if you didn't know, was not just a homeschooler, but also I think just this embodiment of resilience and excellence. And I think her success resonates like far beyond just what she does on like the mat, but her story challenges like the misconceptions that homeschoolers might miss out on social interactions, right? Like her journey is just a testament to uh, social skills and discipline and determination that's really cultivated in the homeschool environment. Um, and those, you know, the, the success stories aren't just about individuals, right? They're really just about breaking down barriers and just trying to shatter the stereotypes. I mean, talk about your own stereotypes and misconceptions that you might have had prior to homeschooling. You know, I sort of had in my mind that it was, you know, either Bible Belt from the, the South or, you know, a bunch of homesteading, earthy, crunchy families from the Northwest. Like, I did not know and realize, like, how many... um you know, just, I don't want to say run of the mill, but like, you know, there's nothing extraordinary about, um, my day-to-day life. Like I don't have any, you know, cool, I don't have a farm. I don't have like, you know, any glamorous, uh, homeschool room, no Pinterest worthy Instagram stuff. Right. Like I'm, I'm just, making this decision and and going on through it for, for the best for our family. Right. Um, and how many are on that, that same journey, but, you know, I think just having examples kind of has the power to reshape narratives and just show the diverse dynamic, just successful faces of homeschooling. It, It serves better than like, Oh yeah, well, you know, statistically speaking, like they do better, you know, in the SATs or going into college, like, yes, those things are true and they're beneficial, Um, but the anecdotal stuff is, it always softens the conversation and and opens the door to then them hearing about some of those things. So, you know, the next time someone questions the capabilities of homeschoolers, just remember those in your own moments of overcoming challenges. You know, it's not about bragging. It's just about showcasing the incredible diversity and the potential within the homeschooling community. Um, okay. So the, the last thing that I want to just touch on is, um, the unwanted advice, right? And how do you handle those well-intentioned but unsolicited suggestions about your homeschooling? Because, you know, we've all been there. It's a 
a well-meaning friend, family member, or, you know, just even the stranger that offers advice on your homeschooling. Um, <laughs> the, the first step is to acknowledge it with grace to the best of our abilities. You know, remember that most advice comes from a good place. So a, a simple, you know, thank you for your input can go a long way in just maintaining positive interactions. Or do I know that this is easier said than done, you know, but just trust your instincts. You know your child better than anyone else. And while advice might be well-intentioned, you know, your instincts should be your guiding light. And if a piece of advice doesn't align with your educational philosophy or your child's needs, whatever it might be, it's okay just to politely consider it and then still follow your gut. Like that confidence is key. And when faced with unwanted advice, just remind yourself of the thoughtful decisions you've made for your child's education, you know, confidence in your choices will act as a shield against doubt, right? It's perfectly acceptable to say, I appreciate your suggestion and I found a method that works well for us. Like it's on them if they take it at in a different way. Like you don't have to be responsible for their feelings or for, you know, walking on eggshells around how they might interpret it. Like, you know, that's great. I appreciate that suggestion. And I found a method that works really well for us. And off you go. Right. And I try to remember the saying, like, educate, don't defend. Um, and that and that's that that putting that spot, that positive spin on it rather than negatively discussing the alternative. You know, like sometimes the best response is is education and just and teaching them something. So if someone questions your homeschooling choice, share your insights about the flexibility and the personalized learning and the, and the myriad of resources available, whatever it might be, like turn the conversation into an opportunity to enlighten others about just all the fastness of homeschooling, um, you know, rather than saying, well, you know, like we're not really pleased with what's going on in, in, you know, the public school down the street, or, you know, we had so many issues with, you know, so-and-so making accommodations at school that we decided to pull him. Like those things might be well and good and true and, and valid parts of your overall decision to homeschool, but is it planting a seed of thoughtfulness and care towards homeschooling on the part of the other person. And no, we're not responsible for like doing that. But if, you know, you want to take that opportunity to position homeschooling in a good light, then you do want to talk about it in, you know, that, that positive spin rather than the, the negative side of, of the alternative. Right. Um, and I think ultimately just know that it's okay, obviously to redirect the conversation um, you know, if the advice becomes overwhelming, just gracefully steer it towards another topic. You know, I think just little things like I'll keep that in mind, you know, or let's talk about something else. Honestly, like you, it's, it's okay just to say that um, allows you to maintain control over the conversation without really like causing any tension. Right. So as you navigate, you know, these conversations and stuff, just hold your head high you know, respond confidently, stay true to your philosophy, use the positive language and just celebrate the uniqueness of your homeschooling journey. You know, I, I would hate for anybody to just feel regret after a conversation of something, you know, they wish they would have said. And I mean, I, and I did it even this week. Um, it's sort of impossible not to, but I think, you know, keeping in mind that it's not about convincing, it's just about sharing the beauty of what you've chosen um, you know, unwanted advice is going to come our way, but when we're armed with grace and just trusting in our instincts and having confidence in our decisions, like we can really steer the conversation with purpose. Um, so I hope you stay inspired and, you know, just keep thriving. I know this is 
a tough time of the year, you know, you've been doing it first for a few months, you know, whether you've been homeschooling for years or this is your first time, you know, just like the kids in traditional school, they're ready for the break. Um, you know, we keep going year round so that we can take days when we need to, like, we're going to go to SeaWorld, uh, tomorrow and Tuesday. And we may not do a whole lot Wednesday cause I'll be cleaning up in preparation for having my dad over and stuff on Thursday. And it's like, that's okay. Um, you know, and whether you take weeks off or, you know, you don't take any time off, um, just, you know. I want to encourage you to remind yourself of just the awesomeness that you've already under undertaken. Um, I was like under undertook. That's I don't think that sounds right. <laughs> but you know, just like it takes courage and boldness, and just use those moments to forget about the defeats that you may have felt like earlier in the semester or even earlier today. Right? Like there's still always something to celebrate in this journey. Go listen to that episode. Uh, was it last week? No, I think it was the week before the celebration, right? Like remind yourself of all those things, even in the hard moments. Um, and yeah, till next time. If this is resonating with you and you want to be free of the uncertainty and the overwhelm, then hop on over to thisismygeneration.com and explore the options for the Harvest program and download one of our free eBooks. I'm so excited to help parents get out of their head and get in sync with their homeschool vision and plans. Our four-step process of sowing seeds of clarity, reaping the fruits of alignment, staying rooted in empowerment, and thriving in community include all the concrete ways to overcome the common mindset challenges homeschool parents face and move you into a growth mindset that will trade the uncertainty and overwhelm for calm confidence. And don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast and follow us on Instagram at underscore this is my generation.